we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, you know, I, I think, again, if you look at the evolutionary um, model, you see it goes all the way from the knuckle dragger all the way up to modern man. Well, I, I think that's really worked backwards. Adam, before he fell and Eve, do you think he had a really superb IQ, maybe into the thousands? Oh, coming from directly from the from the hand of God himself, even before it's sin. So here they're hanging out in the garden. Um, there's no there's no memory loss. There's no uh, lack of re remembering. I mean, talk about photographic memory. It would have to be so perfect. We know his capability right out of day one was to name the animals, to participate in what God was doing and administrating the as a vice regent on this earth. So there's no doubt uh, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Uh, John Sanford who wrote a book called Genetic Entropy. And it's a great book. People need to read it because it talks, he talks about looking at the, the genetics of humanity. And here we are at the end. We're at the bottom of the bottom. That's why there's so many uh, mutations. There's so many defects. There's so many um, genetic disorders that are happening now that weren't around 100 years ago, 200 years ago. You know, it's always been sickness, no doubt. But in the sense of the genetic disorders, they're multiplying every generation. And these, so, these so-called so uh, positive uh, mutations are not positive at all. So if I took a copy of this, just some scriptures, and made a copy took that copy, took the copy it made and made a copy of that, took that copy, made a copy of that, took that copy and made a copy of that. 70 evolutions later, what would that 70th copy look like? A copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I would, I, I would add a little bit of a different angle. You, you take a digital, because we know the DNA is digital. Okay, so what you just showed was an analog. Let's do it digitally. If you take a, a piece of a computer disk or and you copy it, uh, eventually, sometimes we do see that their errors get get put in there based on just the copying on a digital scale, and they aren't better. They don't they don't produce positive benefits. Most likely, that error in the code is going to cause either one part or maybe the whole part of the computer program to to malfunction which, hey, the code is wrong there. You need to make sure that you can fix that. So we see that in the digital world, which again, DNA is digital. That's a whole other argument for the existence of God. But it, it doesn't produce, if you take like a Windows 3.1 and you copy it 70 times, you don't come out with Windows 11. It doesn't add information. This and, is the and, basics. I mean, we know this. And But <laughs> when we talk to other people out there, they're just stubborn. Like, come on, don't be stubborn about this. You know, and I know that if you copy Windows 3.1 a thousand times, it is not going to produce the advanced sophistication of Windows 11. If it does anything, it's going to produce something that's worse or that malfunctions. Yes. And, and I think that's what we see. And, and my goal in, in saying that is, you know, I, I, I read about the pre-Diluvian world. Uh, or even even going back a little further, the pre-sin world, because the Bible doesn't tell us how long Adam lived. Some people conjecture about 30 years, but it's conjecture. You know, what creation looked like back then. And, and, and I have a point in all this, because what I want to do is, is give people this vision. We, we can so lose hope in this world, you know, when we see all what you've mentioned. But when we have this vision of the kingdom of God, 
and what it means. And I read in Isaiah in the New Testament, I read, you know, in Revelation, um, and I saw the new heaven and the new earth and the first heaven and first earth that passed away coming down out of heaven. And it's just glorious beyond what we can even conceive. Paul, when he was caught up to the third heaven, I've read one interpretation of his human verbiage. You know, we don't have the ability to articulate what he saw. He, he can't he can't even describe it. Chuck Missler talked about, you know, a third dimensional being trying to describe a fourth dimensional universe. You can't do it. It, it just goes beyond the, the ability to do that. And for all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have this destiny, a planet that is completely restored back to probably what it was like at the origin of the Garden of Eden. Um, when mankind didn't kill each other, we lived in peace, lived in harmony, raised our families, the earth. You know, I'm a gardener. I love gardening. Um, if you ever hear Mondo, I'd give you some of our broccoli right now, some of our onions. We have blueberries, cherries, you know, peaches. And but you know what? I have to go out there all the time and pull weeds. I mean, it is a full-time job pulling weeds. In Adam's world, there was none of that. Yeah. The earth just produced thorns and thistles were the curse. And so for those who have this hope. And this is why I think Satan works so hard, comment on this, Satan works so hard to rob us of this hope because I could go into a dozen things right off the top of my head right now that, that await me once I shed this mortality. And, and that's what I look forward to. Instead of focusing so much on this world, you know, people working out, people having their 501Ks, people making sure their education's done, and nothing wrong with any of those things. But when I understand, I won't have to work out anymore. You know, I, I can, you know, maybe have a little chiseled body and I won't have to work out anymore. That's nice. And maybe to eat some ice cream and it won't make me fat in the belly, you know. Um, but that's what I want to give the hope to people right now, because we are entering these discouraging times. Jesus said, these are going to be the worst times that humanity has ever seen. Never again like this. And, and so, you know, we have this hope. We have this promise. What happens? Because I, I, there's two scriptures I want you to comment on. One is in um, John, First uh, John three three. He that has this hope and purifies himself. When you have that hope of the coming of Jesus, what does it do to you? I can tell you what. I'm so glad that the Lord. I got saved at 18, uh, first year of college, and I'm so glad that the Lord immediately allowed me to begin to study prophecy, because. We have this idea, and, it, and it's right that Jesus talks about his return is soon and it's near. It does, and, and we, we get stuck in that phraseology, like, "Well, he said that two thousand years ago." Um, for, for certainly for God, it, everything is soon, but um, he could come at any moment. That that's the idea of as it relates to the rapture of the church. That Jesus could come. He said, "I'm, I'm coming at a time that you do not know. I'm coming at a time that." it would surprise the wicked who are not ready, like a thief coming to steal. Um, but for us, if we have this hope and we, we truly believe it, here's the thing is some people really don't believe that the Lord can come at any time. So they're going to wait. I remember when I was younger, I had a friend of mine who I got saved and he was, uh, I started sharing the gospel with him and he said, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just repent on my deathbed. I'll wait. And you're like, man, you, you missed it. You, Cause a life without God, you, you, that, that we, we want God to be involved in all the daily things of our life. Not just say, hey, I want to go live my sinful life and then 
have God as my fire insurance. But when you have this hope that Jesus could come back at any time, and, and even more than that, let's, let's take it out of the fear realm. If you have a love for Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if you have a love for what he's done for you, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then he, he said, he goes on in verse 21, those who love me are those who keep my commandments are the one who loves me. So if you have a love for Jesus, you want to honor him and you want to say, Lord, I want to be doing what you want me to do. And I, I, we all do it imperfectly. I mean, trust me, we're all sinners saved by grace. But you want to say, Lord, first of all, if you came today, I love you so much that if I saw you, I would come up and give you a hug because we started this morning and I talked to you and it wouldn't be a surprise. If you showed up and I saw you, you would not be a stranger to me. I could come up and give you a hug, but I also want to be found doing what you want me to be doing. And that, that's the sense of purifying yourself because not because we're earning anything, but it's done out of gratitude so that when the Lord comes and finds us, you, you're, you, we can say, Lord, I was doing what you wanted me to do. I was doing what honored you. We, we, we lived it. There's this verse that I used to always wonder, 2 Corinthians 5.15, that we, we live our life for the Lord, that we do it for him. And I was like, what does that mean to live for God? It means to put his desires, his wishes for us above our own. And then to seek him and to ask him and to commit all of our works to him and he'll direct our paths. So you have all these scriptures that come to play, but ultimately the purity, we know that, as you said earlier, holy, holy, holy. God said, be holy for I am holy. So it's a reflection when the world looks at us, God looks down and says, that's my kid. He, he's, he's making choices to be like me in advance and to purify herself to honor him out of love. You know, I think of the scripture, and it's probably the one of the most scary verses in the Bible. <clears throat> for those many, many will come to him in that day and say, Lord, we, we jumped through the hoops, you know? Yep. And um, he'll say, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, that that is a dreadful verse. I mean, it really is a dreadful verse um, because there'll be many that, that come to that. And, you know, when I, I think you pointed it out so well, Mondo, you know, it's just like my my wife. I love her dearly. We've been married 37 years. In fact, we're going off to our anniversary this weekend, you know, to just spend some time together. And, you know, I love doing things that please her. You know, she's she's just a good woman. And I, I just love doing things that please her. And I think that, the, you know, our reflection of our marriage is is a, is a reflection of the, the Lord in his church. You know, when you love your wife and you want to buy her flowers or whatever, whatever it is, you know, whatever she likes, maybe it's doing the dishes or whatever, you know, um, whatever she likes. And we show those expressions of love over and over and over again. It has it has such reward. I mean, you know, my wife, when I do things like that, her heart just you know, just come endears itself to me. And I, I I get more out of it, you know, by giving than than you know, than I did in the giving itself. And I don't do it for that purpose. But and that's the way it is with the Lord. When when we through an expression of our love of Jesus give to him our obedience. I mean, his his expression of blessing in our lives is overwhelming. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. The, 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 see, this is where Satan takes a, a very real attribute. I mean, God is love. It says it twice. First John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16. Both of them, God is love. That is true. But then he twists it and he makes it the only attribute. And so then he can go out into the world and he into, through the church and God is love, God is love, God is love. And, and we're now removing his holiness and his righteousness and his justice. But 
we also don't we also know that it, it is real that the nature of god is very loving and and he's very relational within the tri the triunity of god himself we we are built in a similar way that what what did god god doesn't need anything i mean god he's sufficient but what did he want he wanted a family that's what he wanted. So he created us to be like him. We're made in his image so that we could be a family together, brothers and sisters, as well as having dad up there. And then he wants to be at the center of everything we do. But his goal is to be family oriented, but also based on righteousness and holiness and equity towards others. And But love is truly one of the foundational pillars for relationships. And it's done freely. I mean, God wants us to love us freely. I, I have often prayed, and maybe you have too, is Lord, would you just zap me if I get out of line? I mean, that would be so easy. Can you, I'll take it. Maybe maybe not too strong of a zap, but give, yeah. make it make it a my stun day. gun. A stun gun. <laughs> I think, and God's like, no, no. I, I want you to. Uh, that's not who I am. God is God is slow to anger, right? I and mean, we we have these scriptures. He and he's like, I'm not going to zap you because I want you to learn. I want you, even in many ways, take it take it in the right. God wants us to fail because it, it humbles us. Uh, but he doesn't want us to fail. But in, in many ways, he's like, he knows that we need to fail so that we can learn to rely on him better. But he's like, no, I want you to love me. It's about love. And I want you to love me out of your own choice. And I want you to love me because, honestly, because he's worthy of it. And he is. He's the most worthy being in the entire universe. So when these people try to live their life without him, or God is a jealous God, I think he's sad for them because he's like, you're worshiping all these things, whether it's a car or false God, or you're worshiping things that in the end, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You're worshiping something that's going to steal from you. It's going to kill you. It's going to offer you a shortcut. It's going to hurt you. And if you would just worship the Lord, God's like, if you would worship me, you're going to have fulfillment, fulfillment. You're going to have fruitfulness. And sometimes it takes some time to, to get there. But in the long run, God knows the best thing for us is him. 